Somewhere in between the radical arguments of today's world topics of sports, faith, politics, and the economy lies evasive conclusions called the truth. Somewhere in between has a mission of getting to the truth, that place where revelation lies and wisdom prevails. Welcome, good morning, everybody. Episode eight of Somewhere in Between. We have a special guest today, uh, a, a buddy of mine for many years. Randy Grimes played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and prior to that, he came out of Baylor High School and um, Randy's <laughs> Baylor High School, <laughs> Baylor, Baylor College, Baylor Bears. I'm sorry. You went to Baylor. Come on, Kurt. I know. On, I, hey, it's early, man. It's early our time. Hey, he's an offensive lineman. Oh, here we go. Yeah, that's right. That's hey, right. A, anyway, uh, anyway. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna tell Randy's got a great story and uh, we're gonna get to that but we're all but first we're gonna work our way through uh, Randy's career from high school on into the into Baylor and then and then onto the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then we'll f- throw a few stories in there about Tampa <laughs> and uh, the ones the ones we can tell exactly and then uh, we'll we'll press on into uh, some addiction issues that um, that you've you've dealt with and and are now championing around the country. Thanks. So, uh, and I watch you on Facebook all the time. I love your stuff. And by the way, we've got to do some fishing when I get down there. Okay. We have two, we have two addicts on this call right now. Uh, Randy and one in denial. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a river in uh, Africa. (laughs) Denial. Coop, you get down here all the time, and you never call me, so I mean, don't blame me, okay? Yeah, no, I know. I'm down in the Keys, right? I fly into Miami, and I, I hustle down to the Keys. You're up in Palm Beach, and uh, I need to just spend more time up in that. You know what we're going to do? I'll just stay up in Miami, and we'll get you uh, You and I will meet in Lauderdale or somewhere else and, uh, and run, right, off, I'll, I'll, run off shore. I'll meet you down in the Keys anytime. Well, the, hey, then we'll do that too, because I'm I'm flying in. I'm running out of there for a little condo deal I'm doing this week, but I'm just in and out. The weather's gonna be. You guys are gonna have bad weather down there, in Florida. Yeah, yeah, it's really windy right now. Yeah, blowing twenty knots plus. So, anyway, so you can back away from the microphone. Too. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, I'm kind of jump on this microphone a little bit. So, so all I heard right there that was a really long sentence, a lot of little big paragraph, Mark. All I heard was, sorry, sorry, Randy, I'm a shithead. That's what I. Heard. <laughs> I'm bad. <laughs> All right, let's let's get back on track here. Anyway, we're we're here at the Caldwell Banker offices in the Denver Tech Center this morning, and uh, like I said, episode eight, uh, eight in a row, baby, eight in a row, and uh, having fun. Last week we had Big Dave Remington on, and and uh, and 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 Randy, I wanted to have you on because, like I said, I've been following you on Facebook, been seeing everything you're doing out there, um, helping a lot of people, helping the NFL guys. Um, you know, helping the, just anybody that has has a problem. But let's let's start with just football in general, because coach um, has put a lot of kids in college, right? And and we how Ryan and I got hooked up is we did a lot of camps, started doing camps together, offensive line and defensive line camps. And um, and I coached a, a youth sports team here called uh, Creek Red Nation for many many years, and we won a handful of national titles all over the country, traveling with this group of kids. And and uh, Moles has a, a recruiting company back in the day and and he put a lot of kids in college and and probably one of the more knowledgeable guys fantastic company of mine a recruiting company 
Well, you you did that on the side. So you well, you we, tell you you explain it. I, you helped kids get to college. So Randy, I souped the nuts, kids. I trained them from the yeah, time they were good in eighth point. grade yeah. all the way through including high including my son. Education, then helped them get recruited. But I didn't help anybody get recruited that didn't earn it. Right. You know, I only helped kids that, that worked their way through it. Right. That did the work, and then uh, you know a lot of these parents and stuff will you know. I remember I was at a uh, all poly camp out in Utah and. And uh, Jim Harbaugh comes out and he goes, you're Ryan Mullaney? I'm like, what? This guy's heard of me. I go, go, yeah. He says, he said a bunch of things about how he remembered, uh, he talked to Dan Hampton, who was a friend of mine, and he played for the Bears, and we started talking. But anyway, parents come up to me and say, you know Jim Harbaugh? I said, yeah. All these coaches, all these coaches are really, really, you know, talking to you a lot why don't you get my son in in with these division one coaches and i said the reason they're talking to me is because i don't send people like your son <laughs> <laughs> but anyway we we put about over two thousand kids in in uh, college for 15 years we had some we've got a bunch of guys in the nfl we had three guys going the first three rounds last year wow all the way from like training them from the eighth grade so, so. Hey, that, that's awesome uh, you know i worry about the training these kids are getting in college now you know yeah, it's well. Trust especially me, especially in high school. Yeah, the high school coaches love me. Not. <laughs> yeah, they 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 kind of dominate their kids to a degree that's, um, I, I think, unacceptable. So they don't let outside trainers and in, get involved, and I think that hurts because they try and run one system for all kids, and uh, every individual kid has a different, you know, you know, include mine. I I, I could mine would have been a perfect example because he was a, such a late bloomer. But uh, but let's let's talk about let's talk about Randy. Anyway, let's talk let's talk about your high school career and where you started and, and what got you uh, you know even playing football as a youngster. Oh yeah, you know I'm from uh, I'm from East Texas from Tyler right outside of Dallas. Oh, it was uh, oh yeah, it was uh, football Friday night lights pickup trucks pastry parties girls you know that's uh, that was my life growing up. You know I'm from. Uh, uh, Earl Campbell's from Tyler, <laughs> the Tyler, the Tyler Rose. And, uh, you know, my life was football. You know, our, our religion was football back then. Right. And, um, everything focused around that. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to, to be a good enough high school player that I could have gone anywhere in the Southwest Conference that I wanted to go. And, and Baylor's what I wanted to do. Who's the uh, coach at Baylor when you were there? Taft, Grant Taft. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, how about the offensive line coach? Do you remember? You remember him? Coach O'Hara was my offensive line coach. Uh, rest his soul. He uh, he coached me all through Baylor, and you know I I learned to play center by blocking on Singletary every day for two <laughs> years. You know, <laughs> I had to uh, I had to grow up real fast when I got there, mm-hmm. and uh, but it, he, he you know he he made me a better center just like. Leroy made me a better NFL offensive lineman, you know, it's practicing against those kind of people every day. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, it's kind of funny that you say Singletary because then you got to have him twice, twice a year, right? For right, your entire, right. For your entire career. I couldn't get away from the guy. Right. Uh, we, had, we had a hard time getting to him with those big three in front of him, <laughs> right? 
That's because they held us all the time. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Randy, I don't know if you remember, but you played in the same conference. My brother, Mark Mullaney, played for the Vikings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mark was on, on our show, too. Yeah. So he He's played, a great player. He played 13 years with the Vikes. He's a great player. What, what do you think separated you in high school to get to the college level? Uh, well, you know, I always say that I was always fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time, around the right people, doing the right thing. But, you know, Coop, I always wanted it. I wanted it really bad. Yep. And I was willing to do whatever I had to out there to – not only be a better player, but to get the attention of the scouts that might have been there looking at somebody else, you know. I was always aware of who was watching and what I was doing, you know. Yeah, so the uh, high school, you know, was always interesting in that, you know, you'd have a handful of guys on each team, right? And the, and the coaches, I mean, you guys, well, you guys were, now Texas is a little different. I mean, Texas and South Florida, where I grew up, I mean, we were a little bit of an anomaly because we usually had two or three kids. You know, Colorado's a little different. They might have one kid on a team, right? But in Texas, you probably had, what, two, three kids, maybe four, even on a oh, team, yeah. right? Yeah, we had, we had seven. There you go. With, uh, and, and, and back then, you know, we played both ways. So half the practice, I was working on being a defensive end. You know, wow. the other half, I've had to switch to center. Uh, but we didn't know any better. Right. And, and, and I focused on being as good a defensive end as I focused on being the center, you know. Right. So, yeah, you split. So, we see in, our, in, 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 in South Florida, we had so many, we had 110 kids out, right? You probably did too, right? Right. And we had enough talent that guys didn't have to go both ways, um, in, in South Florida anyway. And, and we had, I guess, what we had three Division One guys, and we had like six Division Two guys come out. Yeah, that's a, right? that sounds like us. And you know, we had we had a, that many people on the team, but we didn't have that much talent. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so a lot ahead. of guys had to play both ways. Got it. Got it. So then you, so you become a uh, you you had your choice. Right, you could go go anywhere in the south southeast southwest conference. I'm sorry. Right, right. and um, and you picked Baylor. Why'd you pick Baylor? Well, you know, I went I went on a visit to Rice. I went on a visit to Arkansas. Then I went to my visit in Baylor. I had a sister that was there. Um, I don't know. It was just something about the whole atmosphere and and Coach Taft. Are you going to you know, when he Are you going to come when he you? got me in his uh, when he got me in his office, you know, it, it was all over then. Huh. And uh, are you sure? You know, it isn't because, are you sure it isn't because you joined the Branch Davidians down there in Waco? <laughs> that was later. That was later that I started that. I had to get a couple school buses together and park them side by side first. <laughs> that's coming from Colorado, man. That's the most famous thing about Waco, Texas, right? <laughs> coming from that. Yeah, that's that? when we got our, our nickname, Wacko, Wacko, Texas. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> that was amazing. That was, so, but go ahead. Hey, did you have a redshirt year in college, or did you go you go four? Say that again? Did you have a redshirt year in college? No. Uh-uh. Wow. No, I started uh, I started a couple games and lettered my freshman year. 
Nice. Hey, but and you know, you know who uh, who the starting center was when I got to Baylor was Keith Bishop. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, love yeah. Bish. Yep. So he he was a manimal, you know. He was. He he really that guy was really was. Yeah, he was yeah, an see, awesome yeah, see him now. He's... So did they move? Did they move you him or? So did he go back over to guard then when you came in and played center? No, no, no. He was always the center. I don't know what happened. I only started like one game that year. Oh, okay. But uh, he 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 was uh, he must have got hurt or something. But he was always the starter. You aren't going to beat Keith Bishop out. No, Keith got a, he was an all pro here for one year and yeah, uh, yeah. played here forever. And uh, he was in like World Strongest Man competition. I mean, uh, I, I can tell you a story about him throwing a, a Lala Zeta around in a game one time. I mean, it was we got into it with the Raiders, and Keith went off. And uh, helmets flying, and you know, and you know, Alzado trying to be Mister Tough Guy and be slamming. <laughs> so that's Keith Bishop for you, right there. Uh, oh, he was uh, he was a, a man among boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's 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 uh, head of the uh, uh, security for Broncos right now. And for I, the Broncos, yeah, I had beers with him bro, a couple months ago, and we keep talking about getting together. But you know, you head down, tail up stuff, and running around, and with all this uh, mass stuff on going on, we're yeah, uh, we're going to yeah. try and get back together. But so. So you leave, uh, so you play, you start, you start, uh, in, in Baylor, you have a great career in Baylor. And then, uh, and then I meet you actually at the combines. Yeah. Is where we met and with Mott and Court and all the offensive linemen and Remington and you name it, right? And, uh, was that, uh, was that, where was that? Uh, Seattle or Indianapolis? You know, I was at both, uh, and the Tampa one. I was at all three of them. And, and the Tampa one, right? Yeah. So I just, that, that was kind of interesting because all us offensive linemen kind of started to get to know each other and, uh, you know, stand in lines mooing, right? Like cows going through the, right. through the, dr- the drills. <laughs> Well, and, and you know, I, I started I started forming some relationships at, uh, of course, the Blue Gray game, but especially at the Japan Bowl, uh, you know, because that was a lot more laid back atmosphere over there. And you know, I got to spend a week with guys from all over the country, and you know, that's when I realized, hey, there's there's some great players out there. Yeah. You know? Okay. So I, 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 I just heard heard something. He said it was a little bit more relaxed. Here's what I heard, really. He was walking to every corner where they have these beer machines and sake machines with all of his teammates, and he was putting money in those things and drinking on every street corner of the Ginza, probably is what you were doing. That's what I did when I went there for it. <laughs> I was drinking on every corner because that was the cheapest thing to do. I, I can't help tell, it. I'm just telling you, I, I, I know what happened. I can't okay? help it. Are you guys going to, are you going to go truthful Trump or are you going to go Biden today on this call? No, no. So, hey, so see, you were at two different games. I was at East West Shrine and the North South All Star game, right? And, and East West Shrine was laid back like you're talking about in San Francisco and North South was just, I mean, two a days and NFL. And I mean, it, it, it was a wake up call right there from the East West Shrine game, which was like a holiday. Yeah, and Blue Gray, Blue Gray game was, uh, you know, that was a, a week's worth of practice. Yeah. It, it was serious, and you had scouts standing right on top of you the whole week. And uh, I can remember seeing uh, I can remember seeing Elway and his dad and his entourage come in. They didn't play in the game, but he was there all week. And I, you know, that was my first uh, that was my first taste of big time sports. You know, right, right. So then, uh, so you so you end up in Tampa. 
And uh, talk about the early days of Tampa, because, I mean, I, I didn't meet you until 84. No, I'm sorry, 86. No, it's 87. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. 87, I come in and at the end of the year. But uh, tell me from 83 to 87, t- talk about that 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 period of time for the Buccaneers in your in your career. Well, I, I was I was shocked that I got drafted by the Bucks. I thought I was going to go to the Cowboys, and then I heard I was going to go to St. Louis. They had the pick right before uh, the Bucks did, and so uh, St. Louis actually wound up drafting a kid from Baylor on the pick right before me, Cedric Mack. He was a DB, a DB uh, had a great career. But uh, I remember getting the call from Coach McKay. And, uh, you know, the guy just called and said, hey, Randy, we just drafted you in the second. I'll see you tomorrow. Click. And that was it. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I was in Waco, Texas, and I'm like, Hey, wait, wait, wait a minute, Coach. Where's Tampa? You know, I don't even know where that is. I've never even seen where's the ocean. <laughs> that's, so, what, uh, that's what that that's course. what they teach in Tyler, Texas. You don't know where Tampa is. <laughs> but you know, uh, the Bucks had just gone to uh, the playoffs in '82, the strike shortened year. So I was excited about going to a playoff team. And of course, I was already married too. You know, I met my wife the first day my freshman year. And then we got married after our junior year. So uh, I was already married at that time. So we were we were excited to be going to the seaside community of Tampa, Florida, to, to not only start our family and our marriage, you know, but also this, this awesome career with a playoff team. Little did I know what the next 10 years were going to hold, you know. Wow. Were you playing for uh, Tampa when uh... – Doug Williams, uh, I don't know what year he it was. just He just left. I, I went through some mini camps with him and uh, some practices right before training camp started, but that's when he uh, that's when he moved on. Him and uh, Culverhouse just didn't see eye to eye. So we had a game where uh, Doug was moving down the field in the you know last minute of the game. They had a chance to win the game, get down. Actually, a field goal would have won it for him. And he ran up, ran up to kill the clock, and he, he spiked the ball on fourth down. <laughs> wow! He spiked it on fourth down. We've seen some of that over the years, right? <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. So anyway, so you're at uh, you're at the 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 Bucks. When did uh, when did you start struggling with? Uh, and you mentioned I, I read on your on your website that. Uh, you know, you just were in pain, and you were just taking medication as far as you knew. Uh, when did the pain start coming around for you, Randy? Was it was it in was it in the pros? Was it in uh, college? When when did it hit? Yeah, well, you know, when I when I got to Tampa Bay, I was one thing I was always good at was keeping my mouth shut and listening. And you know, I was just in awe of being in the locker room with guys like. Hugh Green and Leroy Selman and, yep. and, uh, Dave Logan and, you know, great players like James Wilder. And it, it still blew my mind that somebody was going to pay me to play a game I wouldn't gladly play for free, you know? Okay. And, uh, one thing that I was, I picked up from those older guys was to do whatever I had to do to stay out on the field, you know? And, uh, I, I I, 
was not going to be that guy who was always on the injury report or always back in the training room or always in line to see the doctor or the trainers or, can't make or the, the guy that guy that's always missing practice. I was not going to be that guy. Can't make the club in the tub, right? That's what they used to say all the time when I when I played. Can't make. Well, that's a, that, that's a reputation you never get away from, that's and right. what's yeah. sure to sure to be a short career. So, you know, I would I would throw down a, a handful of opiates every day, and I would stay out on the practice field or or play through the injuries and the pain with the game. When did that, uh, when did that start? Probably after about my second year. I mean, it it started my rookie year, but it probably wasn't getting out of control. And, and I say out of control, I mean, I justified it as a necessary evil. Sure. But that probably didn't start till two or three years in when, when it was really a have to, a must. You know, I've got to take these to keep from getting sick or whatever. So I, so I come in at the end of 87. Um, <laughs> it's a Tampa. And, and I, it's like, you know, reunion. I get to see Bubba. And hey, wait a minute, time out. Where did you get the nickname Bubba? I can't remember. Ray Snell. Do you remember him? Yeah. He uh, he had a locker next to me, and my sister used to write me during training camp. And that was my family nickname, Bubba. And he just happened to see see one of those letters one time, and that's when it all started, my rookie year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and, I- then, and, then, and then later that year, my first start was against the Cowboys, against Randy White. And it was at left guard. I'd never played guard in my life. And it was because Ray Snell blew a hamstring in warm-ups. <laughs> from the we night, didn't want to go against Randy White. Right, from the night prior. Yeah, Randy White, whitish, uh, or whiteism, Randy Whiteism, right? And Randy had that go to your throat move where, right? He just oh, tried yeah. to knock your head off every time through your throat. I can, I, I can still remember him asking me to quit calling him sir out on the field. <laughs> you know, uh, I had that and same I said, yes, sir, I won't. Yes, sir, I won't. <laughs> right, right. You know, I had that same experience with, uh, uh, it was a preseason game with uh, Mike Hartenstein at the Bears. And uh, he and Dan Hampton picked me up to drive down to the stadium, down to Soldier Field. And, uh, they put on the song "The End" by The Doors, and Hartenstein <laughs> says, "This song's for you." And I go, "I guess because I ain't playing today." And I go, "Why?" He goes, "I hurt my back this morning in the shower." And I go, "So you're playing this game?" And it was against the Bengals, and I was I had to go, <laughs> I had to go, go against Anthony Munoz. And he goes, Ooh. "I ain't going. To, I'll go against that son of a bitch in a regular season game, but I ain't going against him in a." <laughs> <laughs> preseason game. <laughs> yeah, I had the same experience. So, fu- so funny story. I, I, I show up in, uh, Tampa, right? And I'm going to my first offensive line meeting and it's, it's prior to a game and I get there like on a Friday and it's like right before a walkthrough, right? And we're at the hotel and I go walking into the, the auditorium, um, conference room or whatever and i see all these chairs lined up and randy's the only guy there bubba's the only guy there right and i, I look at him and i go what's this he goes oh this is step through i go what are you, what are you talking about he goes no we sit in these chairs and we take we, coach coach does a snap count calls a play does a snap count and you step you take a step but but you're sitting in chairs and i'm like oh yeah right okay yeah you got me on that one right that, that 
And he's like, no, we, this is what we do. I was like, oh, I'm like, okay, let's see. Coach shows up, guys show up, and then we step, we do a step drill, right? Sitting in chairs, like a line of scrimmage, and defenses lined up in chairs, and we're doing a step drill the night before the game, right? Which, I, it just didn't make sense to me. I mean, I, we knew, I knew who to block. I, I mean, you knew who to block. It. Yeah. And, um, Coach Bechtel, it was just his thing. I mean, that was just his thing. And, and, uh, and then so, like, as the season goes on, right, I, I, I move, they, they play me at a tackle spot too, an extra tackle spot at a tight end spot, right? You know, like a jumbo set. And then I get to go out for a pass and, and, and so he calls that play and I jump out of my chair to do down and out, right? He's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm supposed to go out for a pass on this play. He's like, sit your ass down. I mean, just, just comical. I mean, you've got to have some other stories. I mean, I told the story on, with Remington about, uh, you know, when I got there and Ron Heller and Perkins got into a fight in the locker room. In the locker room, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that, it was, uh, that little chair drill was like a sit and be fit video. You know, you, you ever seen that lady who sits in the chair and, you know, should do her arms and stuff like that? It's, that's what it was. It's like a sit and be fit. But you know what, Coop? I welcome that because we beat the hell out of each other all no. week long. You know, I can't tell you. So I've talked to uh, Conrad Goody, Cilio, you know, a whole bunch of guys chimed in one time on, on something that Cilio was talking about and how brutal our practices were in Tampa. I mean, we had literally three days. We were out there for over two hours plus in that Tampa, Florida heat um, every day. I mean, it was uh, it was welcoming to go play a Sunday game for us. Did you did you go through any of the three days? Oh, uh, three years of them. 80, okay, 88. Okay. I'm sorry. 80, so I got there in 87, 88, and 89. Over there. Perkins t- got there <clears throat> in what, 87? Yeah. Let's see, 80. Three, eight, four, eight, five, eight, six. Yeah, eight, seven. Yeah, he's the one that brought me in. And, uh, and talk about, and I came from University of Miami, so I'm a Miami guy used to the heat, used to that kind of Howard Schnellenberger type practice, and Ray blew him out of the water. I mean, the, oh, yeah. those, those, the hitting, I, 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 that's the only place I ever dehydrated in my entire career. Uh, we, we, we were having three days over it there and we were doing a scrimmage one day at the college and, we had guys going down like flies, right? So I'm going with the ones, I'm going with the twos, and I'm going with whatever's left over, right? And I, I must have run 150, 170 plays, and I'm I'm walking back to the locker room thinking, man, I I what a great off season I had. I'm in such great shape. I mean, I was dog dead tired, but I'm thinking, man, I, I made it through that. I can't, I, I couldn't even comprehend that I made it through that. And then I started, you know, getting that cold flush over me and and just just started jogging and just cramped up and and Bobo and um. And uh, not Bobo, uh, Chris, and, Chris, and no, Chris and the other trainer. I mean, I, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I literally yeah. fall, Jojo. yeah, Jojo. Jojo, yeah, I literally fall on the ground. Those guys just drag me in, throw me up, and they're two bagging. They got, they got, they're doing, they can four bag me, but they, they got two at a time. I, I kind of come to a, my senses, and I'm looking up, and there's guys standing over me, squeezing saline bags in me, right? And and so they they got two bags in me, and they go, we're getting two more in you, because <laughs> I was just pretty much out out of it. You should have gone over to uh, Randy and got some opioids. <laughs> I needed something, I'll tell you. But I, you know what I do remember, Randy? I remember you. I remember you. You, you would take a lot. You take sleeping pills every every uh, before every game, and you might have taken them every night. I don't know. I didn't. You know how we are. We're all Superman and tough guy and all that kind of stuff. So I never asked, and and no one ever told. 
and um, you kind of did whatever you needed to do to get you through, right? And and I was on 3,600 milligrams of Motrin because I had a, a partially torn patella tendon and was just, you know, that was getting me through at the time and, and some shots from time to time. Nobody really cared then, and then nobody really cares now. I know. That you were in all that time. <laughs> <laughs> me either. <laughs> but, uh, but, 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 yeah, T- Tampa was, man, well, talk about an interesting place. Let me ask you something. I'm going to say this because I don't want to leave that hanging like I would make, you know, hurt your feelings and stuff. But you pretty much couldn't tell anybody about too much pain. I mean, the closer you were to getting cut, I know the less you could talk about your pain. Right. right. They would look at you like, you know, here's a road map and an apple and you're out the door. Right. I mean, you couldn't really talk about the pain. I don't know. I, you know, I was always a borderline guy who was always on the verge of getting cut. Um, so I, I couldn't do anything like that. I, actually fractured three vertebrae in my neck and didn't find out that that's what happened in my neck until about 20 years later on a kickoff kickoff return Nate ej jr ran down hit me right up underneath the chin with the cardinals and and i uh and i played the rest of the game i because i didn't dare say anything to anybody about it right so i think you guys might have been able to talk about it but uh was that something randy that uh I mean, first of all, were you getting the opioids from the team, or where, 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 how, how did you treat your pain that way? Oh yeah, we had a we had a uh, an open drug safe, right? You know, and 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 it was never locked, and if it ever was, we had three white guys that that's started a, on defense. That's a great safe. Their 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 jersey numbers were the uh, combination. It was. Uh, Cotney, Brantley, and John Cannon. Their jersey numbers were the combination to the drug safe. But it was never locked anyway. And, you know, I talk all the time about we had the only occupation where when we exited the, the, the locker room after a game, we were handed two beers and two Halcyon in a little package. And, and we were walking to our cars. You know, what, what other job does that as you're leaving the door or flying back from a, an away game or the, the trainers are walking up and down the aisle handing out beers and and benzodiazepines, you know. Where where does that where else does that happen besides the NFL? And and I'm not saying it, it that was just a culture back then. Oh, yeah, you know, you that's know, I, uh, that's the way it was. I'll tell you that's, that's how they got us through to the next game. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, they used to have the Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting in the shower where they would pray before the game. And that can you hear me? No. Can you hear me now? It, it's muffled. Okay. <clears throat> hold on one. Hold on one second. A little technical difficulty. Is that any better? Good. Better? Good. Is that okay. Better? Whatever you did is good. Is that better? Can't can't hear, yes. can't hear moles, right? Yeah. So can you hear me? Yes. Okay. All right. Good. 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 Okay. So anyway, we're. At, this is before a game, and uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes guys are in the in the shower praying. And uh, I won't name the player's name, but he had the Fellowship of Pagan Athletes out in the locker room, and they would ceremoniously pour these these drugs in there each guy's hand, you know, one at a time. These guys would t- say, uh, you know, they call the guy father. He'd say, "Bless the medicine," you know, and then the guy'd come over and bless it, and they'd take take all the pills. And it had to be like fifteen, twenty guys before a game that did that with mm-hmm. the Vikings, you know, 
when I was there. So that's it, that's why their eyes were dilated during the game. Yeah, that's also <laughs> <laughs> beaners, right? No, that was a big, that was a big part of the game. A lot of guys, a lot of guys took uh, uppers or beaners. They called them beaners at the time. Oh right? yeah, white crosses, bennies, you know, all right. that stuff. Yeah. All, all that. Yeah, and uh, I I won't say a player's name, but on the Oakland Raiders, we'd always just <laughs> we just go. How many did you take before this game today? I mean, just wide eyed and. Right. You know, open irises. <laughs> oh, that that scared me to death. That uh, I don't know how you, I I didn't partake in that because I didn't think I could even function or or you know pick up blitzes or know my calls or it worried that, that I'd be outside of my element of uh, you know knowing what I had to do has always worried me. And yeah. in, college, yeah. in college, I had a, a guard and I was playing left tackle. I had a guard next to me and he. He'd smoke a joint before the game, right? And but but by the time halftime came, he was he they they wore off. And he was worthless. So I'm making the calls from the outside in instead of the calls coming from the inside out, right? So that was that era. Oh yeah, well you know you know they used to have those uh, trench coats up in Minnesota, in Chicago, and they'd have the coaches would have a whiskey, and then you'd go in at halftime and everybody would be smoking cigarettes. The whole freaking locker room would be full of smoke. You know, people don't understand, don't understand the air. A, a drug test was shitty, passed out. You must be on something, you know. I mean, they really, really, really didn't have all those, you know, well, this, all this, that this, protection back then. All of this conversation isn't good for our youngsters by any imagination. <laughs> we may be scaring some kids off of this game, right? But well, well, things well, have changed, uh, by the way. Things our, have changed, our, guys. Our message is uh, don't do what we did. Exactly. <laughs> Well, right, you know, right. what, what did we know? I mean, they're right. doing an education about it, right? We no. Did anybody educate you about the dangers of uh, opioids when you were taking them, Randy? No, no. And you know what? I justified it. You know, I told you earlier I justified yeah. it. I looked at it like a necessary evil instead of what it really was, which was a full-blown addiction. I mean, I was getting it from the trainers. I was getting it from team doctors. I was getting it from teammates. I was getting it from fans. So, you know, I... I looked at it like a necessary evil, and that sure. that was just the culture of the NFL, and that's how I justified it. And I hid it when I got home so well because, you know, practicing in the Tampa heat, you know, you're exhausted, you're beat right. up, you're you're uh, you, you know, you're just when you get home, you crash, and nobody thinks anything about it because of you know the heat and everything that you've been in. So, and, and we really did. We used to beat the hell out of each other all the way through Friday afternoon. Yeah. And uh, so th there was very little left to, in the gas tank on Sunday game time. But um, so you, you know, I, I it, it got to the point to where, and Coop, you don't even know this. You probably heard me talk about it, though. But the last two years of my career, you know, I was playing games in complete blackouts. Yeah, you know, I was taking so much medication before a game that I would be like a one o'clock game. I would be home on the couch, 11, 12 o'clock that night, finally starting to come around and I'd be all beat up and scratched up and dehydrated and fingernails all torn up, everything that you are after an NFL football game. And I didn't remember a single down. I'd have to wait and watch it the next day on film with everybody else just to see how I played. And I always played good, you know, and that, in those eight years that, that I was there not once did anybody say, Randy, why are you slurring your words? Or Randy, why are you nodding off in meetings? Or, or why are you the last to leave the training room every day and pills are missing out of the drug safe? Nobody ever 
said that because I was always playing my ass off. Yep. So, so when did you, uh, so you're going through this, tell me about your family. Uh, was it undetected or when did it become detected and how did it affect your family? Well, it became detected after I didn't have all those neighbors around me anymore. When I retired, uh, you know, the injuries just kept getting worse. The pain just kept getting worse. My tolerance just kept getting higher. So I needed more and more pills all the time. And doctor shopping all over Houston was a full-time job for the next 20 plus years. And, you know, when you start blowing through money and losing jobs and losing homes and losing cars, then, uh, you know, people pick up pretty soon what's, what's going on. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, my, uh, my, uh, I got sober 22 years ago and, uh, I'm trying, congratulations, to, trying to figure about, uh, figure out, uh, trying to remember that, but I do know that, uh, I was in a position where I was make I made more money than, than I ever dreamed of. I was a, a chief sales and marketing officer for a, for a telecom datacom company out of Chicago. And I had, uh, you know, two million shares of stock that I could buy for, 15 cents that I could sell for $47. And, uh, I was drinking like a fish. And boy, I lost, I lost everybody in my life, like just disappeared. And, uh, my, I, I had a fiance at the time that, uh, dumped me, you know, which was, you know, usually the three year cycle for me and women after they've been around me drinking or, or something like that. You know, I never, I've been married now for 21 years. Uh, but I never had a relationship prior to that. My wife's never seen me drink once, but, uh, I had this, this falling off place that a lot of people call, uh, call your bottom. And, uh, I remember saying there's something dramatically wrong with me. I got to do something about this. And, uh, and I was very successful at the time. I'm less successful now. Look who your friends are. <laughs> so tell me about tell me about that moment for you if you, if, if you if that resonated with you. Well, let me let me let me finish uh, what I, what I was just talking about. Okay. Because this had a lot to do with it too. You know, in my ten years in Tampa, I had five different head coaches. Yeah. I had six different offensive line coaches, and uh, probably I probably had ten different quarterbacks get up underneath me. I had. Uh, what, three or four different general managers in 10 years. I mean, it, Tampa was a revolving door that decade. But I remember after the 1992 season, and, and you know, back then we would come in after our last game and uh, uh, clean our lockers out. We'd have a, an exit meeting with our position coaches. We'd watch, uh, we'd watch the, the film from the day before, and then you'd pretty much leave, and everybody would uh, – you know, not hook up again until minicamp started. But I remember Sam Weiss, he was my last coach. Oh, yeah. And I remember him walking by my locker as I was about to start cleaning it out. And I remember him just putting his hand on my shoulder, not even slowing down. My, I had a locker that was right next to the door. And I just remember feeling a hand on my shoulder, hearing him say, Randy, we won't be needing you next year or needing your services next year. And it was by the time I looked to see who that was that said it, I was watching Coach Wash hit that metal bar in the middle of that door and walk out the, 
walk out of the room and it, it was like he didn't even slow down and look me in the eye. And that's when it was over. That's when I'd gotten hurt that year. I knew I couldn't try out for anybody else. I was 33 years old. Uh, the reason, and the reason I bring that up is I just never thought it would end like that. You know, I don't know how I thought it was going to end, but I never thought it would end like that. And when I remember just raking everything out of my locker into a black trash bag and walking out the back door and, and Randy Grimes, the football player, didn't exist anymore. And, and I didn't transition well. When I, when I didn't have that uniform or that playbook to look at every day, I struggled for a long time. And, and through my addiction, you know, back in Houston, all the, everything that I went through with that and everything that I put my family through, you know, it was all due to, me not transitioning well. Transition. I, I don't think we talk enough about that. Oh no, good point. What do they say? Seventy percent of the uh, NFL players a couple years ago were the, the statistics. Seventy percent of them were bankrupt uh, within the first three years out of the league, and uh, not a lot of not a lot of NFL players transition well. Um, yeah. Well, and you think you think you're ready until it really happens, you know. Yeah, you, you you think about it in the off season, and you talk about it with your wife and and maybe your agent and and a few other people. But until it really happens, you're not really ready for it. And and it's not just former athletes either. You know, it's military people. It's 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 executives that retire and they they're not ready for retirement. You know, That's right. it's uh it's uh, people that struggle through divorces and broken homes, you know, that, that transition, it's, it's college kids who graduate college and can't find a job. We, we as Americans just don't transition well. We don't do change very good. Well, I had to transition six times. <laughs> you know that, you know that speech you got from Sam White? I got, yeah. I got it six times. I got really good at it. I should be teaching transition. Yeah. There you go. I we should, be start, a, a, I should, we be should a start a transition academy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna write, I'm gonna write that down. Hang on. A <laughs> so now you're you're going around the country uh, speaking on this on 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 literally addiction and and talk talk about that for a minute. Well, and, and when I came into treatment uh, back in September of 2009, wait, 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 wait. there was no... <clears throat> Talk about how you got there. I, I, I watched your video, and I literally, it, it shook me. Because um, I know the Randy Grimes I played next to. In fact, everybody should watch that video. Yeah, that video should be seen by everybody. I, and I watched that video, and I went, God, man, I, I just felt I felt like bad. Like I should have, as a teammate, known that and been able to say, "Hey, Bubbo, you know what's up?" Or you know, it, just, it was it was a weird feeling watching that video. But t talk about yeah. how you showed up there. Well, and like I said, twenty plus years of uh, of addiction, and and you know, I, I I knew why I was hitting all these bottoms, and every bottom had a trap door. You know, I always went lower every time, but. You know, I couldn't stop doing what I was doing. And, and it seems like the perfect storm was starting to, to happen in the spring and summer of 2009. Tom McHale, you yep. know, 
passing away. That really affected me. I, I had a, a series of seizures uh, coming off of uh, the, the sleeping pills. That really affected my health. My daughter just had her first grandchild, and she wouldn't let me come around because I wasn't safe to be around, you know, my first grandchild. Wow. And so whoever my wife, my wife had left me um, only because she was loving me to death, and she had to, you know, for her own sanity, she had to kind of separate herself from, from me. I was sleeping in the floor of an abandoned house uh, or, or a house that, we had, we had sold, but the new owners weren't going to take control of it for another couple of months. We had already moved the furniture out, turned the utilities off, and I was sleeping in the floor of that, of that house. And so it was just that perfect storm. And, and she was willing to make one more call for me. And she, whoever she talked to, uh, in New York at the NFL office, you know, like I said, they didn't have any resources back then, but whoever she talked to, Knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. That's how I got to uh, to uh, West Palm Beach in September of 2009. And, you know, that's that's also when during that first year of, of being sober and, 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 and worrying about all the other guys that were out there just like me that were struggling, suffering in silence, you know, not raising their hand because they didn't think that there was any resource available. That's when I started Athletes in Recovery and started working with the NFL and the Player Care Foundation. And, you know, over those first couple of years, we were able to reach out and help hundreds of, of guys just like me and you, Coop, yep. you know, who are, who are out there self-medicating injuries they got while they played. And these are guys that we played with and guys that we played against. And it was – we were so successful and we helped so many people that Major League Baseball got involved with it. Uh, NBA got involved with it. Uh, Motorsport Safety Group, uh, Jockeys Guild, MMA guys, uh, Professional Golfers Tour. You know, we were, we were helping all these former players who just like us, when we didn't have that uniform to put on anymore, we already had chronic pain issues or injuries that we had while we played. And that just made that was just pouring gas on an already raging fire when we didn't have that accountability and uniform to put on anymore. Hey, uh, Randy, did you go through? Uh, was your recovery a twelve-step program? Absolutely. Okay, so you're a. <laughs> excuse me, you're a. I am. I'm a thumper. You you're basically thumper. you crawled into that thumper. facility. So yeah. So uh, in the twelve. Tell me about the, the, uh, did you, you know, it says in the big book, you know, we were reborn. Uh, it says that, uh, we have these, uh, resurrected is what I re say. Resurrected. We say, yeah, because reborn's gotten a big stigma since they wrote it in 1939 or whatever. But, uh, you know, it also says that we have profound spiritual experiences. Did, did, is that the case for you? Yeah. Yeah, and a matter of fact, I know exactly when it happened. It was two weeks into the detox process. I was sitting at a picnic table at the treatment center that I was at, and uh, you know I was two uh, two eighty five back then, and I it was at eight forty five in the morning, and I was sitting at this table and I was sobbing uncontrollably. I couldn't get a grip on myself. I couldn't 
I couldn't get myself under control because for the first time in 20 something years, I was having to deal with life on life's terms and all the uh, pain and, and the huge wake of destruction that I left back in Houston with my family. I was having to deal with all that sober for the first time. And also I still had this obsession to throw pills down everything. Sure, yeah. And, uh, it was like at that very second, all that was going on where I was sobbing uncontrollably. It was like somebody came up behind me and uh, draped a warm quilt around my shoulders. And I say quilt because I remember feeling weight and warmth on my shoulders. But I also remember at that very second, the obsession to throw pills down every day was lifted off of me. And it was at that very second that I came up with the idea of athletes in recovery and helping other guys. Uh, everything happened right there. That was my big burning bush moment, my spiritual awakening, if, nice. you, if you say. Yeah, that's a, yeah. And so, uh, there's also the 12 traditions of, uh, of the AA 12 steps. Um, and I know that you go into recovery. I, I actually worked in one in Evergreen for about a year and a half. I just, just left the place. Um, the big problem that I, I ran into in this rehab center was that, you know, they'd get mad at me because they'd say, hey, listen, guys, I don't represent this, this company. I represent the 12 steps, you know? And I told them, I said, look, there's a, there's a third tradition, okay? And the third tradition means there's only, there's only one requirement, and it's a requirement. And that's a desire to stop. Stop, right. And if you don't stop, if you don't have a desire to stop, I hear in, in the rehab centers and the recovery centers, I hear this all the time, you know, the 12 steps don't work for everybody. They work for everybody who has a strong desire to stop. Mm -hmm. They never work for anybody who doesn't have a desire to stop. That's why it's a requirement in the program. And I would say, you know, if you don't have a desire to stop, some of you guys that are in this rehab center, you may be just trying to get the, get the drug out of your blood, you know, and go go take another run at this thing. You know, and somewhere mm -hmm. in your mind, somewhere in your heart, it's about, yeah, I can convince my family now that I'm clean, you know, but I'm not sober. I'm clean. And a lot of them don't know the difference between clean and sober. They think we're just redundant people. Clean and sober is the same thing. It's not, as you know. Right. And, uh, and what happens in today's rehab world is that, you know, when they pay for the services, um, it's hard for these, these guys would get mad at me because they say, what are you doing here if you don't have a desire to stop? Get, go back out there, do more research, you know, on yourself, find out, you know, see what's gotta, gotta happen because if you don't have this desire, uh, you're not gonna make it. And it seems to me that, there's a kinder, softer touch to this, these 12 steps out there in rehab. Is that your experience as well, where you, they, they've just kind of entitled and kind of let things go that, that shouldn't be going on? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, you know, people ask me all the time what I miss most about football. And, and you know, it's not being out on the field between, between those bleachers and, 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 under the lights with all the people in the crowd and right. the stands and all that. It's not that I miss the locker room yep. and that's what recovery has given me back is that locker room being around like-minded people who are trying to do the same thing I'm trying to do. And, and they've been to the places that I've been, you know, when I'm with, sure, when yeah. I'm with my buddies in it's the awesome. locker room, those are guys that I've led with and, and cried with and, 
and 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 hurt with and same thing with the rooms of recovery you know with the rooms of aa those are people that have been where i've been and you know it works if you work it i tell people that all the time and it's it's to me it's just as simple as doing the next right thing you know i tell my sponsees all the time just recovery is as simple as just doing the next right thing yeah and you know i when I went in 22 years ago, yeah. I looked at the guys in the rooms and I, you know, I walked in with, I think my suit was $3,000, you know, <laughs> I had the $300 haircut, the $3,000 suit. And I'm walking in and my first meeting, I walked in, this guy had like three teeth in front of his mouth, you know, and I'm looking at him going, this ain't for me, you know, and <laughs> because I'm not like these people and finding that finding that camaraderie now all you know i have a few friends outside of recovery but you know most of my friends are in my saturday morning meeting up in evergreen colorado i got 30 30 men up there that are just great men that uh that i rely upon that that have taken me through a lot of things and uh you know we kind of walk around in that secret society of, right. of idiots you know and we walk out the door and we still, to to this day, we know we're different, you know, than mm-hmm. than than the other than other people, especially uh, people that don't use drugs and alcohol, and that 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 don't understand what happens to somebody like you, and that ha- happens to somebody like me. So I'm with you, you know. The conversation. Well, we just uh, we don't we don't have off switches, and you know, the really cool thing that kind of goes against everything in AA and NA is the fact that so many people are not being anonymous anymore. I mean, look at you, you're talking about it here. Uh, And and I think that the more people like us that come out and talk about our experiences, the more, the more we do to tear down that stigma that's associated with addiction. You know, that, that stigma is what keeps people from raising their hand and asking for help. Or it's it's that shame and guilt that keeps families from reaching out for their for somebody in their family help you know and the more that we do to tear down that stigma the 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 more lives will be saved well you know the the stigma uh because addiction is so prevalent now and uh there's so much i mean we in colorado we've like i mentioned to you before the show uh We've gone from 28th in the United States, the 28th position in the United States, uh, for untreated alcohol, alcohol and addiction in, in Colorado. Okay. In the last 10 years, we've gone to number three. And it's like, look out, Washington, D.C., we're on your heels. We'll get you soon. You know, we're moving fast and it's everywhere. You know, that makes right. anonymity a little bit easier to drop because there's so many people that understand that it, that it happens. And we're looking, some of us are looking, you know, like, like saints. It's also easier after I have 22 years and I'm 64 years old, you know, (laughs) and I'm not going to bars anymore to walk up to people and say, Hey, I think I can give you a hand with your problem. And they look at me like, what problem? You know, it's like the Peter Sellers, uh, deal with the Pink Panther when the guy walks up and says, uh, with his dog and he says, does your dog bite? And he goes, no, my dog doesn't bite. He goes to pet it, and the dog bites his hand, and he says, I thought you said your dog doesn't bite, and he says, it's not my dog, right? We, 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 live, in this del- we live in this we live, live in this delusion, you know, for so long. 
Um, we, 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 we have a pandemic within a pandemic. No question. And, and, and you know, I used to, when I was the captain for the Bucks, I'd stand out at midfield at the coin toss and, and I would just look around. I mean, that's the only time you can stand in the middle of the field and not get your clock clean. <laughs> but I would just stand there and stand there looking around at what, this is in the old sombrero, what 70, 75,000 people looks like. And it's such an awesome thing. But that's, you know, that, that's the example I use of how many people we lost last year just to opiates. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I'm not even talking about the 88,000 that died of alcohol-related deaths or the or the 20-something thousand that died as a result of uh, cocaine, you know, or, and crack or prescription meds or or all the different stuff that's, that, that we are addicted to as, as Americans. And, you know, we, we've got a lot of work to do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the comment you made, do the next right thing, that, that's a – that's a great quote because that could be used in uh, anything. Anything, right? Yeah, and and yeah. it goes goes further than just addiction and everything else. Just uh, just for everyday, you know, consumers and people. Period. Um, right. The uh, so you but so Randy, you've talked on many stages now. T- tell us a little bit about how how you're getting the word out and then what how, what processes. Well, and, and I do speak. I, uh, there, there's nothing. I, there's nothing about me that's been anonymous since day one. And I do speak as much as I can. You know, I, I speak at corporate events. I speak at school events. I do. Uh, I do screenings with the NFL. I get in front of players at these screenings. Uh, you know, I, 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 I do a lot within the rehab industry at the different conferences and stuff. So, you know, I'm doing everything that I can to get the word out. And this is not just about athletes and former athletes and all that. This is about everybody. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to help families. I want to, families are the overlooked ones in, in the, uh, in the addiction world. And I, you know, I want to work with them, teach them boundaries. My wife has gotten involved with me and she works with families. And, uh, so it's, it's kind of a, it's it's kind of a, a a cool thing, and I've recently written a book, but my whole family has helped me write this book, and and through doing that and that collaboration, it's been a pretty cool healing process what's for the, all of us. What's the name of the book? Off Center. Off Center. Oh yeah, I saw, I, I did see that. You know, yeah, we. Uh, so, I'm gonna. I'll pick that up. The one thing. I'd love to read that. The one thing. Well, that, it's not out yet, but you will. Oh, okay. I send you one. The one thing that I that we see, you know, we always have a new guy come in you know, to our group, and we have, you know, I'm 22 years, but I'm a youngster in this group of guys. I mean, there's guys with 35, you know, 40 years and stuff like that. And you get some young guy walks in the door, and you know, they, they always say, "Hey, welcome to the uh, club of 60 million members that nobody wanted to join." <laughs> <laughs> you know, Randy, you mentioned Tom McHale, and uh, he passed away. And the, when I heard he passed away, um, it came as kind of a shock to me because I used to tell the Tom McHale story in Houston all the time when we were carrying him around the field, remember? 
So you, so they didn't bring, I forget the kid's name, come in and play center, and you were going to have to play guard, and you were like, no, no, no. Tom, you got to stay out of here. We're, we're literally picking them off the ground and carrying them back to the huddle, and I, I got the, the, the ammonia deals, and I put them in my sock, and I'm carrying them around. The ref's looking at you and me, and we're, we're carrying them back to the huddle, and we're, you know, putting, putting ammonia in front of his nose and, you know, he's shaking his head and they're, they're like, Hey, he's all right. He'll be just fine. He's okay. He just got a little ding. He'll be he's fine. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're good. And, and, he can go. Yeah. And, and we, I think we threw the ball 70 sometimes and they had two or three all pro defensive linemen and, and we were slinging it from like halftime on and, uh, and he got caught in one of those TTs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we carried him around, and I always, la- I always laughed about that until the day he passed away from CTE and all the issues he had, many multiple issues as well. And I, I, I you know, you, you reflect and you go, "Wow, I guess that wasn't so funny, right?" Um, but, but it's what we did. It's what we did. I mean, that's what it's, it's, it's what we do, right? It's, it's, what, it's what it's what a lot of guys are doing. Well, that's still the fun part of being an ex football player. It's, you know, you know, I can. Hey, Coop, I remember being in the Superdome, and uh, we had the uh, – of course, we stayed out all night the night before down on Bourbon Street. But we we got the kickoff that day. We, we had the opening kickoff. And for whatever reason, for a long time, that was the longest opening drive of any NFL game ever. It seems like we would get a first down, they would call it back, or – or we would have another penalty, and we were out on the field forever. And I think we actually drove down and kicked a field goal. But I can remember looking back down the field from which we just came, and there were these huge piles of puke everywhere because everybody on the offensive line was puking. <laughs> and I can and I can remember somebody, I don't know who it was, but somebody begging me to fumble the snap so we could get off the field. We were, we were hurting that bad. And, and thank goodness I didn't do it because I, pro- I, I probably considered it at the time because I was puking too. Yeah. Early signals, was, early signs, early, early signs of uh, what's yeah, right, 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 right there. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're getting down, down to the uh, hour here, Randy. We spent some a good quality time with you. What would you say if you were standing in, in a group of young I stand in front of uh, parents and athletes that are young, that are just at the beginning of this thing, the beginning of this journey. What would you do uh, to to give them uh, plant that seed type thing? How would you speak to them? That you know, I, my message to them would be that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not raise your hand and ask for help. You know the. These are things that all athletes go through. These are things that pretty much everybody goes through. And just because you're an athlete doesn't make you immune to depression and isolation and and trauma and all the things that that start this whole thing off, you know. And so uh, that's my message is it's okay to not be okay. And and I like the part about make sure you, you, you raise your hand and speak up. It's really hard for these kids these days. I mean, I, you know, you, you can start sniffing, you know, that there's, that the animals in the room, you know, when I, when you've been around 22 years and you're looking at a kid, I look at a lot of kids and I go, this is not going to end well for this kid. Um, well, we, and we all have this warrior mentality, you know, our, our yeah. fathers raised us that way and, and we, 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 
we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off and get back in the huddle, you know, big, big boys don't cry, all that mentality. And that keeps people from raising their hand, you know, that it guilt, that shame. Yeah. It, ends up, it ends up killing them. Yeah, people, I mean, but it's so hard. I mean, the game's changed quite a bit now. And, and, but in our era, I mean, it, you were, if you, if you weren't a gladiator, you were gone. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, it's true gladiator. And, and, just, I mean, the brutality of the three days we had in Tampa, I look back on that sometimes and I just literally have no idea how I got through that because I do remember on Sunday going, Oh man, this is going to be a lot, a lot easier, um, than those practices that we had all week. Um, because we would just stay on the field and stay on the field and stay on the field and, and, and you were exhausted. Just you're trying to, take that Saturday and just get as much rest and sleep and everybody's out on the plane and everybody's out when they get to the hotel and et cetera, to try and get a little bit of rest before that game, knowing that it wasn't going to be as tough as those practices, but, um, but that was where you had to, you know, try and win. Well, yeah. And, 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 and we usually didn't have anything left in the tank after, after, after that junction boy bullshit, you know? Yep. I mean, what was, what was that all about anyway? What, what were you really going to find out about your team or about individual players if you beat the hell out of them all week? You know, they, they, they couldn't give you their best. They couldn't, they couldn't perform their best. Uh, and that mentality, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just surprised any of us made it through. Absolutely. You know, uh, so I'm going down to, uh, Naples to see my mom for her 90th birthday on November 11th. Wow. I'll be there. Wow. November 11th. Uh, through the 19th uh, if God you don't mind uh, Randy I'd like to take a trip up and and meet you up there near your facility or something like that if you oh, can, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. to do that. Uh, yeah, I'll take you to my home group so the number you called on my uh, cell phone I mean the number you called is my cell phone uh, to call into this uh, will you do me a favor and text me your uh, your email address as well mm-hmm. and uh, I'll look you up when I get up there and I'll take a I'll take a run up to Tampa Check it out. Sounds you good. Can take, you can take me around uh, your your uh, your world of sobriety up there. I'd like to see it. Yeah, I'd love to show you what all we got going on out here. Listen, we really appreciate you coming on, uh, Bud. Love you, man. You, you Miss got, you. I love you too, Coop. You're you're an ongoing story, uh, and what you're doing is awesome. And the thing, and the people you're helping. I know, I know how hard it is. You know, uh, I we when I. First got involved in this program. They used to say, "You ain't worth a shit unless you get some puke on your shoes once in a while." <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. So, but you know, uh, helping people is how we stay sober. Oh, absolutely. You, you know that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've uh, my twenty-two years. I bet I've sponsored over a, maybe a couple hundred uh, uh, people, and I worked. That's with, awesome. I worked with one hundred and eighty guys just in the last uh, year. That's uh, awesome. Out of, out of that uh, re- rehab center that I was working with as well. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's the thing that keeps keeps me going. Oh, hey, they, and by the way, Tampa's got some life with Brady and Gronk and the boys. You guys uh, playing some pretty good football down there now. I uh, I've always been kind of the, the home team Denver Bronco guys from since I started up here and then went down there. And I then I couldn't remember half my career in Tampa anyway, right? So uh, <laughs> you you're uh, having some fun watching the the Buccaneers play right now. Uh, finally. Yeah, finally. Right. Uh, but no, be, and being over in Tampa, Tampa, you know, t- sports in Tampa right now is just crazy, you know, with uh, baseball and the yep. Stanley Cup and the Bucks are doing great. 
it's a it's a good time to be in Tampa. Yeah, uh, sports wise, I, I have to have to agree with that. I, we uh, Mark has worked with some NFL teams with me. We do the uh, we've done some high school player development uh, contracts with the uh, NFL. 14 NFL teams I've had contracts to work with, and uh, Tampa was one of them, so I was down there a couple of years. And uh, it's an interesting place. And I mean, uh, you know, they had, I think they've had good personnel for a long time. They just haven't been able to put it together. And, you know, this tam- these guys, Brady and these guys, they got to put this together too. I mean, last night they, uh, they got lucky. Yeah. yeah, they walked away with a, with a lucky one, but. Yeah. This it's uh time to let you go, brother, and I really appreciate you being on. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet, brother. Give me a shout when you get to Florida. I will. Guarantee you down in uh Isla Morada or wherever. Yeah, we'll do Isla Morada for sure. Okay. All right, brother. All right, you can See go you, ahead man. And disconnect from the Zoom meeting if you want and hang up your phone there. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Hey, everybody, we're about to end the show and uh, wanted to just touch base and let you know that the Denver market's still on fire. Uh, interest rates are as low as they've ever been. So give Moles or myself a call. Jump on our websites. Uh, you can find, you know, me by Googling my name. You can you can Google, you know, Ryan Mullaney. Um, you can see us at the Caldwell Banker sites. You name it. Um, 28 years I've been doing this, and um, ever since I left the NFL pretty much. Uh, Ryan's been in the, in the business world for forever. Um, he's a little bit newer to the business, but is uh, doing a bang-up job over on the west side of town. I'm over here in the tech center, and um, you know it's it's uh, it's been fun. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons we're 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 kind of sharing some of the stuff we're sharing, um, and somewhere in between, and uh, so that you guys could get a feel for what the NFL was and what the NFL is doing, and and uh, you know it just kind of keeps our names out in the community, and we have a lot of fun doing it, as you can tell. So a lot of giggles here, and uh, if you have any real estate needs, just give us a buzz, and we're glad to help you out. Give us. Uh Give us a call or send a text. I'm going to put uh, right now. I'll put our uh, all of our information, contact information on the screen, and uh, in post production we'll get it done. And uh, reach out to us. We'll help you. We work hard, right? And have a great day. Coop, been nice. Over and out. (laughs) Bye. a nice place to sit where we can spend